Yeah. Can you uh, start us off with a word of prayer, please? Absolutely. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you and we're just thankful for this opportunity to be able to touch base once again. And even this opportunity to be able to do this podcast. Uh, may all things be done for your glory. Guide us by your spirit. Help us to be faithful. Help us to glorify your good name with what we say and, and how we instruct others who are here. And we pray for the ears of those who are here that it would be a blessing to them as well. And Father, we thank you uh, for all that you've provided to us. We pray that your son, Jesus Christ, be glorified. And pray that we be guided by your spirit. We pray these things in the name of your son, Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. This is Truth Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. Thank you all for tuning in today. Today with me is a very special guest. Uh, and when I say special, I do mean in the fact that there are only a few people that I trust that live in the state of California. I'll put it to you that way. <laughs> and uh, this gentleman, his name, one of these gentlemen, his name is Eki Tepsapornchai, and he's joining us all the way from the the country of California. How you doing today, <laughs> sir? I'm doing great. Yeah, we're down in the southern tip out of Brawley, California. And uh, yeah, California is, it's not good what's happening here, but uh, we, we trust in God's providence and sovereignty that he will allow his name to be glorified even in these dark days in such a dark state. Yeah, yes. And, and that's all you can do, right? Uh, can you kind of give, you know, uh, just a, a brief summary? I know you've been on before, but just kind of remind folks of who you are, what you do. Yeah. So like you said, and you pronounced my name perfectly, by the way, so I congratulate you. Um, Eki Tepsapornchai. I am the senior pastor at Western Avenue Baptist Church in Brawley, California. I've been here for just over four years. I'm a graduate of the Master's Seminary. I got my Master's of Divinity out there. I'm also certified with the um, with ACBC. That's the Association of Certified uh, Biblical Counselors. Um, so I'm a, uh, I'm certified through them as well. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that, that's what we do. Uh, we I have a podcast with Nathaniel Jolly, who's a pastor up in um, Alaska, uh, and uh, we that's called the Truth Be Known podcast. Awesome. Well, uh, I think that the people that are listening already get. Uh, you know, kind of, they understand now that this is the Truth Talks podcast. You're the Truth Be Known podcast. The very last podcast that was uh, on and featured and we talked about was called the Four Truth Podcast. And mm. Eki, you don't you don't know about that one yet. You'll you'll see a little bit about that one. I, maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe you, you've you've uh, I don't know about that. The, so yeah, you'll 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 be hearing about it. It's, it's going to be a good one. So um, yeah, well, I I really wanted to have a conversation with you, Eki, because uh, and I didn't even know that you were AC. BC certified. So that actually uh, adds a lot to this because one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today uh, was this, this, this wonderful concept. And I say wonderful in the way of uh, it's, it's, it can go both ways. It could go really good or it can go really bad. And that would be anger. And uh, you know, and it kind of popped in my head as I was reading through uh, one of the things that I tried to do this year is read through the Bible and every time I read about uh, in, in the book of Judges where uh, the, the, the people of Israel did something wrong and, and you see that they went uh, against God and God was angry at them. So something something happened in that anger and 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 in that context, but also in the context of how the world is. And you, you kind of alluded to that a little bit earlier with California and, and how things are every time I. Uh, open up a, a website or, or, or go to a news article, I see or hear something about uh, somebody stealing something from, yeah. you know, one of those high end stores, you know, wherever it may right. be. So, you know, there is a big uh, there's a, a is th that feeling of anger is just there. And I wanted to kind of flesh a few things out, uh, not just about what's there, but also how we deal with anger on a godly basis. So I guess my first question would be, um, what would be a biblical definition of anger? Oh, that's uh, that, that's a good question. Um, well, I, I think it's funny because I, I, the Bible assumes uh, in many on many parts that we know what anger is. We all, we've all experienced it, um, mm -hmm. but it's it's essentially uh, you know when you when you uh, get upset, uh, when you are upset about your circumstances, uh, when you are expressing um, this uh, negative emotion uh, towards others about circumstances around you that are displeasing to you. Um, but we also know very clearly, I mean, from the book of James, that um, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And you had mentioned the anger of God in the book of Judges. 
And there is a difference between the anger of God and the anger of man. Uh, the anger of God is righteous. The anger of man is unrighteous. Um, now, there is such a thing as righteous anger when we are angry about the same thing that uh, God himself is is angry about. But I would I would contend that that is very few and, and far in between. But anger is uh, can be described as an emotion. And for us, uh, when we get angry, we are prone to doing very rash things. Um, irrationality uh, will set in. Um, rational thinking goes out the window. Um, so we we've seen, especially in California, my <clears throat> my wife has family up in the San Francisco area, and once in a while we'll drive up to to see them. And in the past, we would drive up and and drive up through this route through uh, the East Bay. And mm. recently, especially this past year, there's just been a rash of shootings um, mm. right on the freeway, right where we would normally drive. And so we take another route to around there. And those freeway shootings, that's often anger. It's road rage. Yeah, everyone's familiar with that. When people mm-hmm. get upset on the uh, on the streets and if they're armed, they'll go ahead and pull out their guns and just start shooting at another person. Um, so, yeah, anger, I, I think the Bible more assumes it than defines it for us because we all can relate to it. Um, it's it's when we respond uh, emotionally um, in a very negative way towards something that we don't like. Mm. OK. And with that being the, the kind of and I want to of course, I wanted to define it because, you know, like you said, I really am not like uh, the Bible explains what love is. Love is these and it, it shows the yeah. attributes of these. And, you know, you go to, you know, first Corinthians 13 and, and it kind of walks through that. But when it comes down to anger, you know, what would you uh, you, you kind of defined it. But the attributes of anger, I, I, I want you to kind of flesh that out a little bit because I want to talk kind of in depth about it just so that there's no no question about what it is and you know the actions but then also and i've kind of given you the 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 end from the beginning um the results of that anger you you gave a result right there with the road rage and you know kind of you know it's like you know someone taking out a gun and shooting somebody but um the actions of those that that anger you know let's let's kind of talk about that a little bit the uh the actions of anger is that what you're talking about yeah yeah yeah. What um and I I'm kind of you just you you kind of you threw me off with your answer <laughs> and yeah. I say that in a in a good way because I never thought through the fact that the Bible yeah. is not like hey this is what anger is. Right, so right. now I'm kind of like hmm. well 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 how do we wrap our heads around it? Maybe the yeah. actions of it but then I know the reactions, you know, we could talk about the reactions, but what are the actions of it, characteristics oh, yeah. of it, you know what I yeah, mean? Right, right, so. right. Yeah, um, I, I think of uh, Galatians chapter 5 when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit and, and the deeds of the flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, verse 19 says, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, and then it says outbursts of anger. Um, outbursts of anger. I think that's very descriptive. Um, anger tends to be explosive and it can manifest itself in angry speech. Um, so speaking at a very high volume in a very uh, harsh tone. And it's interesting uh, when when you just watch the reaction of babies, uh, babies, you know, they're they're too young to understand a whole lot in the world, but they certainly sense the difference between someone who's singing a lullaby to them versus someone who's screaming at them in anger. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You see them, yeah, you see them cry uh, in, in response to that. It's a very unpleasant sound. So um, anger usually uh, produces um, hateful, difficult speech, harsh speech, um, but could also just lead to just harsh actions. And anger really starts from the heart. Uh, I mean, Mark chapter seven, I think of uh, Mark chapter seven, Jesus Christ was talking to the religious leaders um, that who was challenging him and his disciples over eating grains of head with unclean right. hands or, or something yep. like that. And mm-hmm. he says in uh, Mark chapter seven, verse 21, uh, for from within, out of the heart of man, proceed the evil thoughts, the fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the heart. Now, he doesn't specifically mention anger. Um, but I, I don't think this is meant to be a full list. And he mentions pride there. And pride, I believe, is at the very root of anger. So when we respond in anger, we are actually expressing a form of pride, of um, selfishness. Uh, because for those who are 
believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we would believe in Romans 8.28 that God causes all things to come together for good for those who love God and are called, called according to his purpose. And we would believe that God is sovereign over all of our circumstances, because that means in verse 29, God predestined us to become conformed to the image of his son. So everything that God brings to our life is with that purpose. So when we get angry, we are essentially putting ourselves in the seat of God and lashing out because we are unhappy about the circumstances that God himself has put us in. And I recognize most Christians don't often think of it in that light. But as a biblical counselor, when I sit down and counsel someone with anger, um, that's that's where I take it. I help them to see that if we are a people to trust in the sovereignty of God and the providence of God, there actually is no reason for us to be angry about our circumstances. Man, I need a hammer B3. I, uh, there's so <laughs> much to unpack right there. That is, yeah. I, I mean, we, yeah, we're getting right into it because you, uh, we got to go back and, and slow down a little bit and, and kind of, and, and piece this together because you mentioned, you know, one of the things that, you know, a lot of people don't think through a lot. And that one big thing is the pride. I heard discontentment in there. I heard yep, that people, right. you know, people not being happy with what, you know, circumstance and, and what I'm what I'm understanding is and and maybe you can help me, you know, in, our, in my understanding and help, you know, yeah. maybe the people that are listening, the the anger is really a result. The anger is the the action. So I was talking about and trying to get you the, the reaction of anger, but just the actual anger is the reaction of yeah, all of these right. sins that you're talking about. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's right. Anger anger is a wrong response to undesired circumstances, essentially. And, okay. and a lot of our sinful responses are exactly that. They're a wrong response to, to circumstances that are undesired to us, but there are circumstances that God providentially provides to his own elect in order to sanctify them. So we are rebelling against God's method of sanctification uh, when we respond sinfully, and, and in particular when we respond in anger. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about them one by one and let's talk about pride. You know, yeah. the uh, pride and, and I'm and I'm I think we can just land kind of in this uh, the text of uh, Mark seven, because uh, that's one text that our church will definitely know well, because yeah. uh, Matt preached. He, it took the book of Mark and it, it took him, I think, 20 years to get through it, or at least it felt like 20 <laughs> years to get through it. Uh, but <laughs> but but pride. this I remember this uh, this actual text when he uh, when he preached through it. And uh, this was when, um, yeah, it was, it was the washing of the hands and, uh, and and all that. Now, verse 21 from within and I'm reading from the uh, the uh, the ESV uh, version, the, the elect Standard, standard version, version right from for, for from within uh for from within out of the heart of man come evil thoughts sexual immorality theft murder adultery coveting wickedness deceit sensuality envy slander pride foolishness all these evil things come from within and they defile a person and i'm going to mess with you just a little bit because the last sermon that i heard at our church actually came from first peter chapter two and in first peter chapter two uh verse one it says so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander and uh when our elder elder neil actually preached on that i didn't make the connection about these but this is what he he made the connection of in chapter in first peter chapter two uh verse one all of those are, are progressive. So the deceit and well, the malice and then the deceit and the hypocrisy and the envy and the slander, all of that is progressive, all coming from the heart. Could I say the same thing about verse uh, chapter seven in Mark verse 21, that it's it's progressive as well. The, uh, the, the heart of man and then what progresses out of it, the evil thoughts. And then the, can I say that same thing there? That's a that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> to be honest, I'd never thought of it that way. I had never even thought of First Peter uh, two that way. But there's there's something there. Um, when we look at verse twenty one, as I'm looking at this one by one, um, I, I think the argument against a progression would be that some of these things um, are 
are um, they, they don't necessarily come together. So okay. we have evil thoughts first, but then you have sexual immorality and theft, and those are two different sins, right? So you gotcha. one, gotcha. one or the other, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit. So I think he's going through a broad range of the kinds of uh, sins gotcha. that, uh, that that we can we can commit. Gotcha. Well, I tried and it didn't work. So <laughs> uh, that's why you have the mask. It's a good thought, though. That's a good yeah. thought. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. When it comes down to, um, you know, we mentioned the pride and then we mentioned the uh, and you didn't say it, but it was, you know, discontentment. Um, When those come, where does that come from? Of course, it comes from the heart. But you were mentioning the circumstances, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we, in our pride, uh, we all have a heart of entitlement. Right. Mm. Um, We we deserve we're entitled to something. We deserve something. And of course, at our church and and your church, I know for sure, we certainly would not um, welcome a prosperity gospel. Uh, Mm -hmm. We would denounce any kind of prosperity gospel that that God's plan for you is to be happy, healthy and wealthy. And there are many churches that I think would stand against it. And yet there's a little bit of prosperity thinking that can creep into the minds of Christians just because of the culture that we're in. So Mm -hmm. we live in an age of entitlement where we think we deserve something. And I think that is often the start of what leads to discontentment, because when we think we deserve something and we don't get it, um, then that gives us grounds to be upset and to express anger, frustration, what have you, over those circumstances. And indeed, it is a lack of contentment, because our contentment is now tied to our circumstances rather than tied to our relationship with God. And so I think the the heart of godliness is to, obviously, we plan our ways and we hope for certain uh, things to happen in our life, you know, especially as we're fulfilling God's will. We would love to, for instance, we're witnessing to our neighbor. We would love to see them come to faith. We're witnessing to our children. We'd love to see them come to faith. Uh, but we don't know if those things are going to happen, right? So we we have to be careful to understand that God is the one who is ultimately in control. We are dependent upon him. And whether we get the results we want or not, it's not really our plan. It's his plan. And we should just be thankful that we know God and we are privy to his word, that we have his spirit, and that we can continue to grow. And and Jesus Christ is the greatest example of this, right? I mean, when he came, Philippians chapter 2 comes to mind. Let me go there real quick. This is uh, a a set of verses that I can never read too often. But uh, Philippians chapter 2, and I'm reading from the ESV now. So just like you, I'm going to go with uh, this translation here. And Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5, says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus Christ emptied himself, he humbled himself, and humility is the opposite of pride. And when you meet someone who is humble, Uh, You very rarely see that person respond in anger or pride because he is exhibiting the opposite trait. And in fact, going back to verse three in that same chapter, it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. And in the Greek, um, it uses literally the words for vain glory. So vain glory. Do not have vain glory. Do do not uh, give yourself glory that is empty. Um, And on the other hand, Jesus Christ is the ultimate example of one who existed in glory, but emptied himself. And and when it says emptied himself, he took on the form of mankind rather than existing in the form of glory that he had previously existed in. So he actually emptied himself visibly of the glory that he had had for all eternity that he deserves to have. And on the other hand, we are not to give ourselves glory that is empty that we never had, right? Mm. So he is the ultimate existence of, ultimate example of humility because he existed in the most glorious of forms, but he humbled himself all the way to the point of death, even death on a cross. Um, so he submitted himself to the punishment on the cross at the hands of God the Father, um, humbled himself even before men uh, who were guilty and broke all kinds of laws in order to send him there. Um, so I, I don't remember what the ex- original question was that led me on this trail here. But uh, but yeah, humility and, and pride are, are opposites. And for us to um, be careful about um, our entitlement, our sense of entitlement, and our expectations of our circumstances. We want to look at Jesus Christ as the ultimate example who fully submitted himself to all that God the Father had in store for him. And that's what we want to do for ourselves. We, we want to submit our lives 
to God because we've already given our lives to Christ. And by giving our lives to Christ, the attitude of the Christian should be, God, do what you wish with me in order to accomplish your goodwill and purpose. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. You, you answered the question. Definitely. It was it was more uh, you, you took it, you know, more into a, a different realm, of course, what you're supposed to do, which you put it in the, the light of Jesus and what he has done. Um, I was the question was more or less the pride that we have. Yeah. You took that and twisted it and it's like, well, look at the pride that Jesus didn't have. And, right. you know, even though he could have. So it was it was actually really a really good way of, of, of doing that. I appreciate it. I think that the uh, the other side of it is, too, is, you know, when, when we talk about the pride, you know, is there a positive side to pride? And, you know, um, I'm not talking about the the the, the parade that they probably had right, in a right. town near you or a town near me, you know, a month ago, even yesterday. But uh, is there a positive side to pride? It, the pride that we're talking about, um, I would say no for men. No, because mm-hmm. all of our boasting should be in God alone. Mm-hmm. Right? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 talks about our salvation, that uh, mm-hmm. no one will boast. And uh, Paul quotes uh, Jeremiah 9, 23, 24 on multiple occasions. You know, let not the, the rich man boast in his riches or the wise man boast in, in his wisdom. Um, but let he who boasts boast in this, that he knows me and understands me for I am the Lord. So we want to um, we want to boast in no one else but God. Now, the word pride is kind of funny because the word pride in our language, we don't use it the same way all the time. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, you, you might see something that your children do that is really good. Like, you know, your child gets five dollars and decides to give it to the church. Well, you know, any father would be proud of his child for doing that. So mm-hmm. there I just use the word proud. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm proud of my son for doing that. And uh, and that's not the same kind of pride that we talk about, where we elevate ourselves as being more important than God. That's really uh, another way of expressing thanksgiving. Um, if done rightly, it can be a way of just expressing thanksgiving to God uh, for his work through your own child. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we, we, we want to be careful about how we analyze that word, what context we analyze that word. But in terms of the Bible, the way it uses pride, uh, I believe it's always putting ourselves uh, before the desires and interests of God. It's uh, mm-hmm. putting ourselves essentially in the center of the universe. And uh, the book of Judges, uh, three times it mentions that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Mm-hmm. And that is often the the outcome of pride. You, you just do whatever is right in your eyes rather than doing what is right in God's eyes. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I appreciate that. I I want to because we're, we're doing that with anger. You know, you, we, we mentioned godly anger. We mentioned, yeah. you know, man's righteous anger. So. I want to kind of see if there was a, a, a way that we could do that. And the boasting in the Lord is definitely that way. I, I appreciate that. Now, uh, the other that you talked about, the pride, uh, the other word that you kind of mentioned but didn't mention is discontentment. Yeah, That's something that we have talked about a lot on this podcast. Uh, yeah. Why? Uh, because of, you know, uh, Matt counseling me, you know, he this is this yeah. is the counseling, the counseling hour of Matt yeah. counseling me. And, you know, a lot of that discontentment was I just, it's just something I'd never thought that it was the issue. I would always think that I was OK with what I had, you know, yeah, right, and, right. and I think that a lot of people kind of are like, well, you know, I should desire, you know, this I should desire that they look at it in a in a righteous way. You know, they look at it in a way it's like, you know, I should desire to make more money or I should desire mm-hmm. to have these possessions. You know, what is wrong with that? What is wrong with me, you know, wanting to to, to be better, at, you know, right, as right. myself? So that would be the question that I, I give to you, you know, Mr. Counselor. What is what is wrong with that? Why is that a bad thing or could right. that be a bad thing? Yeah, it could be. First um, Timothy six seventeen, Paul tells Timothy, instruct those who are rich in this current world not to put their hope in riches, but upon God who richly provides us with all things. Um, whether we are wealthy and to what degree that we're wealthy or what kind of job we have, um, that really should be in the sovereign hands of God. And our ultimate goal, if we think about what Jesus told us uh, when he what he told the disciples more specifically. I've been preaching through the book of John and John chapter 14, 15 and 16. Jesus begins in the upper room and, and he's really starting this long discourse where he's discipling 
his disciples as to what to expect in the future days. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And and really, it's the uh, preparation for the Great Commission. We know the mm-hmm. Great Commission, make disciples of all the nations. So really, our primary goal here is to glorify God. And we glorify God by following his son, Jesus Christ, and making that the main thing. So the main thing in this world is, I would say to all Christians, well, I talked about Romans 8.28, God causes all things to come together for good. Romans 8.29 says we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So that really ought to be our number one goal. How do we become sanctified to become more like Christ? How do we participate in the Great Commission? And in the meantime, we are we have occupations. First uh, and Second Thessalonians talk about the importance of working. Um, if you're not willing to work, then you are not to eat. So those things are important. We want to be able to provide for our family. But we also want to understand that God is the one that's going to be sovereign over what's given to us. And we never want to make that pursuit more important than the pursuit of God on a regular basis, communing with God, uh, walking with Christ, uh, growing in Christ's likeness. And when we get that wrong, when we get those priorities wrong, it will lead to discontentment. And then this is where I said um, sometimes there's a little bit of prosperity gospel that sneaks into our heart. And that could be one of those ways where we start to think, well, what's wrong with wanting these things? What's wrong with pursuing these things? And then the problem is that they ultimately don't satisfy. Now, they can satisfy if we have the right attitude in Christ. When we look to God and we are satisfied for all the things that he has given to us. A passage that comes to mind, Philippians chapter 4. This, I think, is a very, very, very important passage when it comes to contentment. I go to it very, very often. In Philippians, we know that Paul is writing to the believers in Philippi. He's in jail, all right? He's in jail. They were concerned. They sent a man named Epaphroditus to go see him, and Epaphroditus nearly dies. Um, But uh, thanks be to God, Epaphroditus lives, and then Paul sends back Epaphroditus to the Philippians with this letter to to be read to them. And so when you get to chapter 4, Paul says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. That's in reference to sending Epaphroditus to minister to him. But look what he says in verse 11. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Now, something that I often focus on that is easy to just kind of skim over. Paul said, I have learned in whatever situation I have learned. See, Paul, we look at him as being like this super apostle. <clears throat> he was blinded on the road to Damascus, and then after that, he just became this super apostle who endured great odds, was able to endure great persecutions, had this uh, great theological mind um, be, to be able to defend the truth. He went to synagogues, uh, went to Mars Hill to talk to the philosophers and the Stoics and all that. Um, so we, we look at Paul as being this this great apostle. But what I love in that verse is that he had to learn how to be content. Mm. That is not something that always wow. comes immediately. Okay, yeah. I learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Now look at verse 12. He says, I know how to be brought low. Okay, that's to have very little. And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So now he talks about the secret, okay, the, mm-hmm. the, myste- the mystery. So learning how to be content, he refers to it as that secret. I have learned the secret of what? The secret to be content no matter what the circumstances are. Now, he doesn't explicitly tell us what that secret is, but let me point to verse 13, because verse 13 is one of the most abused verses in all of Scripture. Yep. It says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And when you just take that verse out of context by itself, it can easily be used to say that God's going to strengthen you to do whatever you want to do, right? Mm-hmm. So what's wrong with being rich? What's wrong with wanting to have a better job? What's wrong mm-hmm. with wanting better things, right? Um, mm-hmm. But that's not what this verse is saying at all. This verse is not saying that God is going to strengthen you to do whatever you want to do. It's saying that God's going to strengthen you to do whatever God wants you to do. Mm-hmm. And that's the mind of humility that seeks after God's will and, and when Paul talks about, I've learned the secret to be content in whatever circumstance, I think that goes back to chapter 1, verse 21, when he says, for to me, to live is Christ, Christ. and mm-hmm. to die is gain. So yeah. our life, and, and what is that? To live is Christ, to die is gain. You know what, what's amazing about that statement? 
If you replace Christ with anything else, that verse makes no sense. To live is money. Well, to die is to lose that money. Mm-hmm. To live is fame. To die is to have no fame. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, whatever you put into live, if it's not Christ, then there is no way that death is gain. Mm-hmm. But when your life is about Christ, then you know your death is about gain because you're going to be with him up in heaven for all eternity. So a mm-hmm. lot of true contentment comes from a dependence upon God, but a recognition that we have something much greater to look forward to. And and I love that you um, you had quoted First uh, Peter two. Sounds like your elder has been preaching through that. Well, First mm-hmm. Peter one, you know, when you look at First Peter one, First Peter one, and Peter, the context here, Peter is writing to um, Christians outside of Rome who are concerned about the persecution going out of Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, the there was the Emperor Nero. He he had been yep. um, just executing Christians in public for a fire that they did not start. And so now Peter, writing from Rome, is writing to those outside. And he says in verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. As Peter is writing to these believers who are concerned about persecution how does he start off? He doesn't start off by consoling them, you know, just saying, yeah, this is really hard. He doesn't try to empathize. He, he doesn't mm-hmm. commiserate with them. You know what he does? He goes straight to God and say, praise God that we have something greater awaiting us, mm-hmm. that God has caused us to be born again. And we are going to inherit something that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading and guarded in heaven for us, waiting for that last time when we're, we'll finally be with him in all of eternity. So he starts off with that praise and blessing. So the secret to contentment is to have that eternal mindset, to recognize that we have been given by far the greatest gift that anyone can can be given. You know, and I often say to my congregation, if you have everything in this world, but you don't have Christ, you have nothing. But if you have nothing in this world, but you have Christ, you have everything. Because what does James tell us? James tells us our, our life is nothing more than a vapor, but eternity will last for, well, eternity. Mm-hmm. Right? So contentment, um, I, I love that example from Paul. And, and let me take you to one more passage. And, and this is from Paul as well. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12. This is another fantastic passage when it comes to dealing with discontentment. And mm-hmm. again, discontentment often has to do with undesired circumstances. And when you look at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, starting in verse 7, Paul had already expressed some crazy visions of heaven that he had been given. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he says in verse 7, he says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Now, Mm -hmm. interesting, in that verse, we see three purposes One of them, which is repeated twice, okay? So he talks about this thorn in the flesh, but he starts off in verse 7, says, to keep me from becoming conceited. Mm -hmm. That's the purpose given by God. And then later on in that verse, he describes the thorn in the flesh as a messenger of Satan, and he has a different purpose. Satan has a different purpose, which is to harass me. And in the NASB, the translation is to torment me. It's the Mm -hmm. same word being used in the lake of fire where we're tormented day and night forever and ever. So Mm -hmm. to torment me. And then he finishes off by repeating God's purpose to keep me from becoming conceited. So there's multiple purposes, one from God, one from Satan. And then look at verse eight. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Now, this is not just three times as we would think of it, but probably three seasons of prayer as Paul is going to the Lord and just pleading. And he uses that word pleading. You can imagine that that's like begging the Lord, please remove this thorn from me. And how many times in our life we're unhappy about circumstances and we're pleading the Lord to deliver us out of it. And when we're not being delivered, we're bitter, we're upset, we're frustrated, we're angry, we're sad, we're we're a whole bunch of things. You know, and and we think that, Lord, I, I can't be what you want me to be if you don't remove this obstacle, this this thorn 
And, and the Apostle Paul, you would think if there was a godly man who deserved to have his prayers answered, it would be here. And he pleaded with the Lord three times, begging for this to be removed from him. And you can imagine Paul was the apostle to the uh, to the Gentiles. He mm -hmm. was sent out on multiple missionary journeys. He had faced all kinds of persecution. So for him to be complaining about something here, you know this is extreme based mm -hmm. upon what he has gone and yet Paul, as deserving as he would have been, as entitled, let me use that word, as entitled as he may have been to have that thorn removed from him, look at what the Lord says in verse 9. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Mm. And you know what that Jesus Christ, what our Lord is saying? Saying, Paul, I'm not removing that thorn because the grace I've already given to you is enough. Now, what is that grace? Well, that grace is he's been saved. He's been sanctified. He has been made into an apostle to the Gentiles. He's been given visions. He's been given gifts. He's been given a role to be able to play in furthering God's kingdom. And what Jesus Christ is revealing here is that I have a purpose for that thorn. And you will still be able to accomplish my purpose with that thorn. And as Jesus said, my strength is perfected in your weakness. Paul responds uh, perfectly by saying, and here we are, here's that word boasting. He said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's in verse nine. I just read the second half of that. So mm -hmm. Paul, in this case, boasts, but not of himself, but he boasts of his weakness, which is the opposite of pride. So this is this is one of these um, almost an oxymoron of language. He's boasting mm -hmm. of his nothingness mm -hmm. um, because ultimately his boast is in the power of Christ that no matter what he is going through, Christ will get him through it. Christ will mm -hmm. deliver him. Christ, uh, He's not going to remove the thorn, but he's going to help strengthen you through that thorn. And I think this very much ties into Paul saying, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances. This mm -hmm. is the heart, the attitude of one who completely trusts God in his sovereignty in all things that he does, knowing that we can endure no matter what the circumstances are. You know, Eki, I love that you went here because uh, I was on YouTube listening to some guy and he was talking about, well, wait, this particular guy was a, is a friend of mine. He has a YouTube channel and he was actually talking about this, you know, some guy that uh, was bringing up this whole NAR uh uh, yep. You know, new apostolic reformation uh, theme that they have where God, God's intention is always God's will to heal. And he actually went here to talk about the fact that, look, here's a circumstance where and like you said, uh, you know, obviously a super apostle used. I know how you're using it, but, um, yeah, right. you know, the, the 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 grand apostle, the 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 uh, the, uh, the ultimate yeah, he was Captain America, those who called himself super apostles. Right. <laughs> right. Right. He's the he's the Captain America of the Avengers of yeah. the apostles, you know, like he is the guy Paul is. Of, of anybody should he be healed yeah he 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 laid hands on other people to be healed and they were healed why is it that god isn't granting his wish well i think that the reason behind this and i never saw it until what you just said is that he was definitely doing it for the purpose of having paul to realize that it's him it's christ it's not yeah. about paul but I also tying it back to our theme here, doesn't it make sense? And as you as as you pointed out, it's like we are we get angry that we have that thorn. Yeah, we get angry I, at the thorn and we're angry and we're mad and we're taking it out on other people. The reaction, you know, we, we're having that reaction of anger and we feel like and, and tying it all together, we feel like we deserve better. We That's feel right. like we deserve better. And and with us feeling like we deserve better, we're angry. And then where does that anger turn? The anger turns towards others, but we're really angry at God. So the yeah. sin that you know God is 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 putting that God is putting the thorn in our flesh for the purpose of uh, for us to grow and to point to him, but we actually turn to ourselves which yeah. is is that is that fair to say am I, am I saying that correctly yeah no absolutely in our pride not only do we think we deserve more but we think we can do more on our own uh, without mm -hmm. that uh, that attitude of dependence upon god for all things mm -hmm. yeah so 
when you when you're talking, I was like, man, that is that is very clear. You know, the grace. And when he says my grace is sufficient for you. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 just I love the fact that, you know, Christ said that to or God said that to Paul um, because of the fact that, you know, the power and then the powers made your power. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul then boasting in his yeah, weakness, right. we we tend to boast in who we are versus yeah. who, who we aren't and right. who 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 God is. So I I really appreciate you kind of fleshing that out because now it's like it it's 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 becoming uh, alive and 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 clear uh, in a, in a completely different way. Um, we're we're kind of kind of getting close to the time, but I, I do want to kind of shift gears just a little bit because since anger is the is the topic i do want to kind of talk about that that godly anger or that righteous anger that yeah. you were talking about right. um you can take a few moments and talk about god's wrath obviously but i want you to do that later when you give the gospel <laughs> but uh yeah. but i want you to talk about righteous anger like what does that look like and you know will we need to pull that out of our pocket every once in a while for something yeah, you know, righteous anger is when we see God's name being, um, I guess, being trampled upon, mm-hmm. um, God's name being trampled upon, being dismissed, uh, being blasphemed. Um, that there's a righteous anger that that I, I think we can have uh, based upon that. And I think we see that in the Psalms. The the, the psalmists often, um, you know, we know about the imprecatory prayers when when uh, people are acting willingly against God, hurting God's people, there are imprecatory prayers. And in the Old Testament, of course, we understand that the Israelites, um, they, they were given the Mosaic law that, that promised blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. And part of the blessings for obedience is that uh, that those who cursed them would, would themselves be cursed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we, we have a there can be a righteous anger over just how God's name is being smeared. And yet we can never allow that righteous anger to control us. Um, so I'm thinking Ephesians chapter four, um, verse 26 says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And there's a, a many different ways that people have interpreted that be angry. But certainly one, um, I think, very valid interpretation would be a righteous anger. This is encouraging you. Yeah, be angry over that which is righteous. And yet do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not let it control you and lead you. To sin and verse 27 adds and give no opportunity to the devil you see when we allow anger to control our actions into sin we actually play into the the hands of the devil so mm-hmm. what should we do when we feel righteous anger that God's name is being blasphemed that's being mistreated well the, the righteous response is to continue to proclaim the truth mm-hmm. it's to go to God in prayer um, it's to plead with God to, to give you um, the, the patience and endurance to to continue to uh, withstand all that's going on. And, and I think about the Old Testament prophets, uh, especially Jeremiah. You know, Jeremiah had a ministry close to 50 years and mm-hmm. saw no one repent, right? That mm-hmm. that can be frustrating. Mm-hmm. And at one point, he wanted to just stop doing it. He said, I don't want to do this anymore. He said, I, I don't want to speak anymore. I don't want to see this anymore. And and then the the word of God was like was like fire in his bones, and he had no choice but to let it out. And Ezekiel, Ezekiel was called early on saying that you're going to be the watchman. Okay, as the watchman, you need to warn Israel about judgment. And if you don't warn them, then blood is on your hands. But if you warn them and they sin anyway, then the blood is not on your hands. And so the righteous response is to just go to the Lord um, and just to uh, share the frustration you have that his name is being blasphemed. I think that's very honoring to God but also to be reminded of the call to us for us to go out and continue to proclaim the truth, knowing that Jesus Christ told us in John 15, 18, that if the world hates you, remember it hated me first. Verse 20 said, if it persecuted me, it's going to persecute you. So we do not have an expectation that the world is going to appreciate or love or embrace the message that we give. And in fact, if the world embraces your message, you better reevaluate mm. that what that message is because it's probably not wow. the right one. Yeah. Um, but we will also recognize and hope that the Holy Spirit would do his work. And we know the Holy Spirit will. I'm not suggesting that he won't. But he is sovereign over who and when and, and to, to what extent he's going to do that. The Holy Spirit is the one that's given the, the power of conviction to convict the hearts of men over sin, righteousness, and judgment. 
So that is the job of the Holy Spirit. Our job is to be faithful. But certainly, I think the righteous anger when we see God's name being blasphemed, when we see people uh, continuing to disbelieve, um, I think there is a righteous uh, pouring out of of just grief towards the Lord uh, about mm-hmm. the unbelief that we see around us. But yeah. the response always has to be the same, to go out and say, no matter what, I'm going to put on my armor of God and I'm going to continue proclaiming the gospel. I'm going to continue to defend against the attacks of the evil one. And I will not allow my anger to lead me into unrighteous actions. Mm. That's good. I appreciate that, man. So, uh, yeah, I, I want to, I guess, end it with uh, you kind of giving us the gospel. I didn't know I had a time frame on this meeting. That's, <laughs> that just popped up. It's like five I just minutes. Saw that too. Like, like, wait a minute. I, oh, you know what? I think we can keep going. I set it for an hour. That's what it is. I set it for an hour. So it shouldn't just cut off. It shouldn't. I, this is the this is the paid version. <laughs> <laughs> this is the paid version. So yeah. But yeah, um, I, I I would love for you to uh, just kind of give us the gospel and, uh, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. God is holy and perfect and, and righteous and just. Um, he has existed from eternity past, created all things around us. Um, but man fell, uh, starting from the Garden of Eden, from the sin of Adam. Uh, we inherited that fallen nature, and thus we are all sinners. And it, the, the fact that we are sinners is, is beyond doubt. And it's, sin is not just what we do, it's also what we think. Um, it's, uh, it's, it could be a sin of both commission, what we do, as well as a sin of omission, what we don't do. We are sinners by nature, and even for those that are not exposed to the Bible, we know that our conscience will bear testimony to the fact that we have not always done what we knew what was the right thing to do. And so we are sinners by nature. No one seeks after God. Um, That's the other thing. Romans 3 tells us uh, no one is righteous. No one seeks after God. Uh, No one does what is good. Uh, No, not one. We have all turned aside together. We have become worthless. Uh, And Jesus, when he talked about sins, he talked about not only sins that we do, but sins of the heart. Even if you look at someone with lust, you're guilty in the heart of adultery. When you're angry at your brother or sister, you're guilty of, of murder of the heart. Um, so there, there's no question. We are all sinners. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 48, that you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And it should be clear to everyone who is listening that none of us are perfect except for the Lord Jesus Christ. So we stand condemned before God because of his holy standard. We all deserve wrath. We all deserve his judgment. Um, God's wrath and anger is righteous uh, against us. And certainly we know about hell, the lake of fire, which burns for all eternity and torments day and night forever and ever. That is exactly what we all deserve for our sinful natures. <clears throat> but John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in his son will not perish but have eternal life. And so when God the Father sent his son, God Jesus Christ, God the Son, into the world, he did so not only to live the perfect life that we could not live, but then to be able to offer up that perfect life as a perfect sacrifice in our place on the cross, that all the penalty and the judgment that we deserve to pay for all eternity was paid out upon the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross in a period of three hours, uh, where Jesus at the end would cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But because of that work that Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross, what we have the promise is this, is that if you believe that Jesus is the Christ and that he died on the cross for your sins and that three days later he was raised up from the dead, The promise, according to Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, is that you will be saved. Um, Confessing Jesus Christ as Lord, uh, we don't just confess him as Savior, we confess him as Lord. The Bible mentions him as Lord far more often than he does as Savior. And what does that mean? That's not merely just a a, a title or, or a status symbol, but to call him Lord is to recognize him as our authority over all of the earth and the heavens and the universe, all authority has been given to the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we confess him as Lord, that means now we submit ourselves to his guidance and his direction. But it's only by faith that we are saved. It's not by our works. We are saved for works, but we are not saved by works. So by repenting of our sin, that means we turn away from our prior manner of living. We follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. We call ourselves disciples. That means we follow him. But it is simply our faith in Christ that provides us with salvation. So if you repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the promise is that you will be saved and have eternal life. 
doesn't matter how many times I hear it, I I can hear that over and over again. I just love to hear um, the redemption uh, that Christ offers, and the it, and it's it's humbling to even know that I know this. You know, it's yeah. it's just wonderful, and that is truly something to boast in, right there. Amen. I love it. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Eki, for joining us today. Uh, you have given us a whole lot to think about and have to replay this a few times to kind of catch some of the things that you kind of said in passing that were just mic drop moments. So I, I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, we'll see you all next time on the True Talk podcast. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Truth Talks podcast. Please reach out to us via Twitter at the Truth Talks P1, via Instagram, the Truth Talks podcast, or you can email at the Truth Talks podcast at gmail.com. Please visit our website as well, bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Click on the ministries tab and click Truth Talks podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. The Truth Talks podcast is a ministry of Belcroft Bible Church in Bowie, Maryland.